Sech zivomus per gudgil mishne gudbeis until per gudalad mishne beis. Yovam kot on a yovam who is under the age of bar mitzvah. However, he is at least nine years old. So the relations which he has with a, with a woman are halachically considered to be relations. However, he cannot get married. And other than the fact that his relations are considered to be relations, his actions do not have halachic significance until he is uh, the age of bar mitzvah. Be as it may, this nine-year-old, Shabbat Yavom Ketana, he had relations with a Yavoma, Shmeres Yavom, who was also under the age of Bas Mitzvah, but she as well was at least three years old, and from that age onwards, her relations are considered to be, halachically speaking, relations. So these two children performed Yibim together, and we already learnt earlier on in the Masechda that the Yibim performed by a nine-year-old has the status of Mamar. It's not full Yibim. The halacha is, Yidulu Zemzeh, they need to grow up together until they are both Bar and Bas Mitzvah. In other words, if they decide to separate from each other before then, they are not able to, because a child is not able to give a get or to receive a get or to perform chalitza. And so the same applies if Bar Yivam if the nine-year-old has relations and performs Yibum with the Shemeres Yavam who is above Bas Mitzvah, that's also not good enough because he is not able to give her a get or to do chalitza until he reaches Bar Mitzvah and therefore to Gadlenu, which literally means she should bring him up, she should raise him, and the point is she again needs to wait until he reaches the age of Bar Mitzvah and only then would he be able to give her a get for the Ma'amar and then to perform chalitza for her to be able to marry somebody else. Alternatively, they could have relations once they grow up, and that would be considered the yibum, and then all she would require would be a get and not chalitza. Alright, the remaining part of this Mishnah and the following Mishnah are not related to the subject of this parak, which was the status of various Midrabonon marriages and Yibum acts, etc. Rather, it's sort of a topic in itself. Hayavoma, a regular Shmeres Yavam, an adult, Sha'omra Yaim, who comes to Beistin and says within 30 days of having married the Yavam. She's been living with the Yavam for 30 days now, and she comes to Beistin and says, of Alti, I have not yet had relations with my Yavam. And the Gemara explains she comes to base them with a get. The Yavam has given her a get, but she claims that he gave it to her before performing Yibum. And they haven't yet had relations, and therefore she still requires Chalitza to get rid of the Zika before she can marry somebody else. A get is of course not good enough to get rid of the Zika. However, the Yavam claims that he did perform Yibum with her, and they had relations, and then he gave her a get, so he does not need to do Chalitza. So since it's within 30 days, it is sort of believable that within the first 30 days they haven't yet had relations. So because the Shemesh Yavam's claim is quite believable, and as well as that, the Yavam would have a motivation to lie, because the whole process of Chalitza is quite demeaning, and it's quite a shame towards the Yavam. It's all about how he doesn't wish to continue the legacy of his brother, and she spits in front of him. The whole Chalitza process is a bit of a disgrace towards him, and that's why he wouldn't wish to perform the Chalitza process. And so we believe her claim that he has not yet performed Chalitza, and she still requires that process before being able to marry somebody else. And so we force him to perform Chalitza. However, if she comes after 30 days, then it's hard to believe that they had not had relations at all yet, and therefore he is more believed, so we don't force him to perform Chalitza. However, we do request from him, without forcing, that he perform Chalitza. The reason being that although in this case we are believing him, the halacha is that if somebody comes to Beistin and makes a claim that would forbid them to do something, even if we seem to have proof going against that, since the person said it about themselves that they are forbidden to do something, that prohibition is binding, and they would indeed be forbidden to do that. This is known as Shavya Nafshe Chatichadeh Surah. 
where one makes himself prohibited to do something. So because according to her claim she is forbidden to get married without receiving Khalitza, we do request that he perform Khalitza in order that she will be able to get married again. It was Manchu Maidan in a situation in which he re- agrees and he admits that he has not had relations with her yet. Even if this is after an entire year, 12 months, we would force him to perform Khalitza with her and we wouldn't just request it. Mishnud Gimel, a woman who makes a neder, she vows not to benefit from her yovam, from her husband's brother, whilst her husband is still alive. So she's now forbidden to benefit from her husband's brother, and if he then dies, the yovam would not be able to marry her, because she's totally forbidden to benefit from her, and therefore Kovinus Shiach Leitzla, we would force him to perform Chalitza, because they cannot perform Yibum. However, if she makes the vow after her husband has already died, so now it's totally clear that the reason why she's making the vow is in order not to perform Yibum, not to marry this man. It's not that she just doesn't want to benefit from this particular person. It's totally clear that she made the vow in order not to perform Yibum. Now in general, if a woman makes a vow not to benefit from her husband, which would mean that they can't have relations anymore, the halacha is that he is now obligated to divorce her. But since it's due to her vow, and she is really going against the agreements of the marriage, she would lose her right to the kasuba money. The kasuba is the document written at the beginning of the marriage, which states that if he divorces her or he dies, then she'll receive a certain amount of money from his possessions. But since in this case it's her fault, and she is sort of rebelling against her husband and causing the marriage to come to an end, in such a case she loses her right to the kasuba money. So in this case too, where she falls to a yovam to marry him, there's a mitzvah of yibum, and now she makes a neder, a vow not to benefit from him, and not to continue the marriage and the legacy of her husband who had died. That's really what yibum does. So in that case as well, she would lose her right to the kasuba. Nevertheless, we request from the Yavam that he should perform Chalitza with her in the regular way. So just like in a regular Chalitza, as soon as they have performed Chalitza, she receives her Kasuba. So too, we request from him, the Yavam, that he should perform Chalitza and give her the Kasuba, just like in a regular case. However, all we can do is ask, but he does have the right just to do Chalitza with her and not to give her the Kasuba. And says If we have proof that she intended by making the neder to get rid of the mitzvah of Yibum, that the reason why she made the neder was in order not to perform Yibum with him, and it wasn't just because they had an argument and she wanted to distance herself from him, then even if she made the neder during her husband's lifetime, all we can do is ask him to perform Chalitza and to give her the Kasuba, but if he doesn't wish to, then he will not need to give her the Kasuba money. The focus of the 14th Perek are lots of different scenarios involving a marriage or yibum with a cheresh or cheresheth, a male or female deaf and dumb person. And the Perek opens up by telling us that cheresheth a deaf and dumb man who marries a pekachas, which is the opposite of a cheresheth. A pekachas is somebody who can speak and can hear and has got a sufficient level of understanding. For the rest of the Perek, we're not going to translate the word pekachas or pekeach and cheresh and cheresheth. So let's just get the definitions clear. A cheresh is a deaf and dumb man. A cheresheth is a deaf and dumb woman. A pekeach is a normal man. And a pekachas is a normal woman. So a cheresh not a pekachas. A cheresh marries a pekachas. Or a pekeach not a cheresheth. Or a pekeach marries a cheresheth. 
So either the man or woman in the marriage is deaf and dumb, and it's like that from the beginning of the marriage, which means that the entire marriage is only valid midrabanon. Says the Mishnah, If he wants to, he can divorce her. If he wants to, he can remain married. Although we're going to see at the end of the Mishnah that when a man gives a get and divorces his wife, he has to know what's going on properly. His understanding is required. In this case, the entire marriage is only valid Medjabonon, and therefore his divorce is also valid to get rid of this marriage. And the Mishnah says, by way of explanation, just like he brings her into the marriage by hinting and making signs with his hands, because he can't hear or speak, in the same way, he divorces her by making these signs. Meaning, just like the entire marriage began on a weak level and it was only with Jabonon to begin with, so too the divorce is valid even though we have not got all of his understanding present. Next case, a normal man marries a normal woman, so the marriage is valid with Eraisa, and then Venuscharsha, she becomes a Chereshes, she becomes deaf and dumb. So again, the halacha is, if he wants to, he can divorce her, if he wants to, he can remain married. Since anyway, at least on a Eraisa level, one is allowed to divorce his wife by force, even if she wishes to remain married, one is allowed to divorce her by force, so we do not need her intent in the act of divorce. So therefore, it makes no difference that she became deaf and dumb. As long as he is still normal, he can divorce her, and it will be a valid divorce on a mid-oraisa level. Nishtates, if she went crazy, and she became a fool, then he is not allowed to divorce her, although we do not need her understanding for the divorce, as long as she is able to look after the get. That is the only requirement we need from the woman's side, and even a fool generally can look after her get, nevertheless Medjabonon here is forbidden to divorce her, since we're concerned that without, without a husband to look after her, other men who behave inappropriately might take advantage of her, and it will be dangerous for her to live without a husband looking after her. And therefore Medjabonon here is not allowed to divorce her in order to avoid such a situation. And the next scenario of the Mishnah is Nishorash Hu. If he became a Cheresh after the marriage began, so it's a marriage which is valid with Araisa, and then he became a Cheresh, a Nishtata, or he became a fool, then in a Lomis, he is never able to divorce her, since a man does require intent and proper understanding when he is divorcing his wife. As the mission now explains, said, Why is it that if the woman becomes a Cheresh, then she can be divorced, but if the man becomes a Cheresh, then then he's not able to divorce her? Why is there a difference? said back to him, A man divorcing his wife is not comparable to a woman who is being divorced. Because a woman can be divorced both willingly and not willingly. One is able to force his wife to divorce her, at least on a middle level. But a man can only divorce his wife if it is willingly and he has proper intent to do so. The Torah, when talking about divorce, says that the husband will find something which he doesn't like about her and he'll write a divorce. The Torah implies that he has to understand what is going on. Alright, Mishnah Beis, Heidi and Gudgudah, and Gudgudah testified about a Chereshes who was under the age of Bas Mitzvah, whose father married her off. Now we saw, especially in the previous parak, that although if a Ketana receives Kiddushin from somebody, somebody acquires her for marriage, so if they do the act of Kiddushin with her herself, 
For example, they give her money for the sake of Kiddushin. So since she herself lacked enough understanding, so that marriage is only valid midrabonon. However, if her father receives the Kiddushin on her behalf, since he has enough understanding, that marriage would be valid mid-Oraisa. And the same applies to a Chereshes. Although a Chereshes, if she gets married, in general it's only valid midrabonon. If she's still a Katana and therefore her father has the right to receive the Kiddushin on her behalf, so that marriage would be valid mid-Oraisa. And Rabbi Yochim and Good Gudot testified that the Halacha is she eats up a get, but she can be divorced with a get. So Omrulay the Chachom said to Rabbi Yochim ben Nuri of the previous Mishnah, who the Chachom argued with, you see from the testimony of Rabbi Yochim ben Gudgudah that in the case of a marriage which is valid mid Oraisa with a Chereshes, she can still be divorced, even though she herself would be the one who's receiving the divorce and receiving the get, because once she's married, her father has no rights over her, and only she can receive the get, and we see that that get is valid and she's considered divorced. So Afzai, also this case which we argued about, where she was normal at the beginning of the marriage, so it was valid mid Oraisa, and then she became a Chereshes, the fact that she is a Chereshes does not stop her being divorced, it's similar to that case which Rebbe and Good are testified about, and so we see that when it comes to the woman, since she does not require intent and understanding in the divorce, a can get divorced.